Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. So Matthew chapter 6 is where we are. Uh, a friend of mine um, is a professor at, the, uh, at my alma mater, Baylor, and uh, he sends out a column um, via email every week or so. And this, this past week, he um, was uh, hyping a book called, that he really enjoys called Deep Work. Has anybody read the book or interacted with the book Deep Work? Um, he was pretty excited. The, the idea is simply, and it, I don't know that this is revolutionary, uh, but the idea is simply in order to do your best work and to be efficient at your best work, you've got to kick distractions out and really lock in. Now, I don't know that that changes anybody's life, but to be reminded of it is probably pretty good. He was talking about some of the suggestions and this kind of thing. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, our, our life is pretty rife uh, with distractions. Does anybody sit at their computer, try to get stuff done, and bing, something flashes, and then dong, bing, you know, so, and some other noise happens. And all of a sudden, uh, at least on my computer, you know, there's four texts and six emails, and uh, I'm trying to, like, in the single paragraph that I'm writing. And then, depending upon your level of OCD-ness, um, d- depending upon how that works for you, you think to yourself, oh, no, six emails have come in since I've been writing on this one paragraph. I've got four text messages. Let me just see what they are, right? And so you jump on and you say, okay, important, important, not important. I'll get to that later. Da, 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 and you fire off and then you're like, oh yeah, but I forgot to send this. And so you start, and you're like, oh yeah, and that reminds me, I need to text so-and-so. And you fire it out. And all of a sudden you spent 25 minutes doing things that have absolutely nothing to do with the thing that you were working on, the project that's due now in an hour. Anybody? And the, the mobile version of this is simply... The tyranny of the red dot. You know what I'm talking about? You pull your mobile device out and all of a sudden all of your apps have little red dots beside them with a number. And you have to check them. You can't not check them. What if, My reminders are there. What if I forget something? I told myself to remind myself so that I wouldn't forget. Now if I don't check it, then what? I'm going to forget. And, you know, then, you know, of course, it just gets worse if your notifications are turned on for all your social media platforms, because then you got 58 things that you're supposed to look at that somebody else deems important for you. Whole different conversation about that. The idea is simply let's clear away some of the distractions. Let's be efficient in our work. Um, This passage today is evidence that Jesus is about deep work. He refuses, and this is where we started the Sermon on the Mount. He refuses to settle for a kind of superficial skipping stones um, transformation. But instead, he is going right after who we are, the very core of the very core of us, the heart. And this passage is a reminder that, man, there are some distractions. There are some things, that, and we got to clear those out of the way. Jesus, though, is not distracted from his deep work in our lives. He has not gone on to a different project. No notification has sprung up and grabbed his attention He is still after the exact same thing that he was when he started the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Uh, We're going to start in verse 22, just three verses today. Um, And as we've been working on this, we've been weaving the theme of fear in and out of this because it does show up. And I want to point that out here in a little bit. But just, just note that you will hear that again this week as well. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body uh, will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, 
he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. Um, I, w- I want to highlight um, kind of the one in each verse here, three particular things, one in each verse. And let's start with the good eye. If Jesus is going, if he, if he is going after our hearts, he is not distracted um, by the things that are in his, he is intent and, and courageously so, fiercely so, at times ferociously so. He is intent on changing us from the inside out, transforming us in the deep places. Uh, he, he brings this up, the good eye. Here we go, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Now the eye, if you uh, are clear on wh- what's going on here, the eye, I, uh, this, is, this is my biology. This is what I got right here. Um, <clears throat> your eye takes in light, makes it happen, makes the magic happen, hits the optic nerve, sends it to the uh, brain, and then voila, you got, I'm seeing you. That's what we got. We got vision. Uh, that's about the extent of everything that I know. But Jesus is on to something here because when the eye is working, it gives like it should. Now, some of you in verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, some of you may have a different translation. It may be, um, it, it's, a, it's a kind of a weird word, uh, a, a little squishy. And so uh, sometimes it means generous. Sometimes it means single-minded. But the, the simple way I think to get at it is simply like it is giving as it should. If your eye is doing what it is supposed to do, that's what Jesus is saying. Your eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is healthy, if it's doing what it is supposed to do, light it is bringing light into our body. And so light can be a blessing. Light can be a blessing, yes? I mean, just think about, uh, you know, today, yesterday. Did anybody work outside or be outside uh, yesterday? It was glory, right? I mean, it's the absolute perfect time of year in Houston TX, man, because like, it's not too terribly hot. Uh, you know, the humidity is relatively like not sweat your face off. You know I mean? Like you've got, and it's, but it's still, so, it's beautiful. You, you get to enjoy that. This morning I was out walking full moon. Oh, just gorgeous, right? The eye is giving as it should. And when it does, we get to enjoy beauty. We get to see it. It's a blessing, but it's also a help. It's also a help because it helps us navigate uh, the, the, things that we, the things that we need to navigate. It helps us get to the places uh, that we need to get to. We like light to help us get there. The, the second bullet under this, I, I just want to highlight it. We'll do this in the next one as well. But the, 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 the eye, giving as it should, is a small organ with a big impact. Do you see that? Verse 22 it's the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, and then what happens next? Your whole body will be full of light. Your whole body will. Small little organ, big impact. Small little organ, big impact. So um, when, when you uh, see something, when, when something is in front of you, your body tends to have a visceral reaction here. Okay. And so I'll just give you an example. Danny's right here. Uh, if I come at Danny and I'm standing pretty close and then I take a swing at him like this, it's not his eye that's going to flinch. What's going to happen? His whole body, his whole body is going to react. Small organ, big impact. Uh, another example here in a couple of weeks, my niece is getting married. And by the way, I don't, I'm not old enough to have a niece getting married, but this is where we are. And uh, I get to do the wedding. Very exciting. And so I'll be standing at the front and there'll be this really nervous guy right next to me. His name's Mario. Um, And there will be a moment when my niece starts down the aisle in the dress. And he will see what is happening. 
and the eye of his, the, it will be the lamp, and his whole body will react. Now, again, I don't know if this is true of you when you uh, got married. For all of you guys who stood at the front, did any, did you like lose control of yourself at, at my wedding? I developed Tourette's in my lips. Like they just started moving by themselves without my knowledge, consent, or, you know, volition. It was just like, I'm just doing this. Jenny came down the aisle. I'm, as a pastor, I keep a tissue in my pocket for that moment right there because I don't know if that guy's, poor guy's going to melt or, you know, I'm going to have to hold him up or whatever. It, your eye is the lamp of the body. Small organ, big, big impact. Spiritually, what this kind of translates into for us is that we, when our eye is healthy, good, giving as it should, then we see things as they are, not as they appear to be. This is what it looks like for us spiritually. We see things as they are and not as they appear to be. We, we, we understand what the value actually is, not what the claimed value is. We understand um, where the treasure really is and not where the treasure is pretending to be. And I'll just point you backwards to last week. Um, we, we looked at the story. I'll just briefly um, I put a, uh, just kind of put a summary on it here. Uh, the story of the rich young ruler happens in Matthew chapter 19. A guy comes up to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And they have a little conversation about that. And uh, the guy's like, hey, man, I must be good then because I've checked all the boxes. Jesus says, uh, well, one thing you still act. If you want to be perfect, you want to be whole and complete, go sell everything that you have. Give your proceeds to the poor. Come follow me. You'll have treasure in heaven. And the guy's like, man, Jesus, that's a great plan. Here I go. Psh, no. no. No, that's not what happened. The Bible says he walked away sad because he had many, uh, he had a great number of possessions. His earthly treasure blinded him, blinded him to the true treasure that was in front of him. His eye was not good. It was not giving as it should. And that leads us to the second, the second here. We, we looked at the good eye. Let, let's look at the, look at the bad eye. Verse 23. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So let's just pause right there. If your eye is bad, um, and I don't know if you've, you've done this before, you go to the ophthalmologist and they're looking at you like, time to up the prescription. I mean, this is the kind of thing uh, that is, or you've got a cataract or something. Like, you've you got to deal with things that are there because you want to be able to continue to see. That's the bad eye. And it would say something like this. There, there's a malignancy there. And when there's malignancy, that means trouble. When there's something there that shouldn't be there, it means, it means trouble. Now, um, about the best way that I know to um, illustrate what Jesus, I think, is getting at it here is yesterday at about uh, maybe 6.30 or 7, I was driving um, west down 528, the big street right out here. I was, I was driving west down 528, uh, and the sun is setting. And you know, if you drive down 528, you know the sun basically is staring you right in the face. And all of a sudden, you're driving down, and you think, Gosh, my windshield is very dirty. Yes? Who's had this experience, right? And b- because the sun just, I mean, absolutely 
it's blinding you as it is, but then like when you put all the other stuff in there, it's like, ah, I can't see anything. So um, being a good driver that I am, you know, you, you kind of make sure you have plenty of space and nobody's going to stop real fast in front of you. And you hit the little button to make the, because you can't see for eight seconds when that happens, right? Because you've got the stuff and you're like, ah, now I really can't see. I thought it was better. Oh, okay. Okay. It's getting better. And so you're grateful for that, but you make sure there's plenty of space. You get the windshield all clean on the outside and you think, oh, this is going to be great. And you start trucking and you, the sun hits you again. And does anybody, maybe it's just my car, but does anybody else have like the film that develops on the inside of the windshield? And you think to yourself, I am obviously a filthy animal. I should cover my cough, you know, like, cause I've got all of this. And then you're like, trying to get the, this just to be able to see. Cause it's way easier to deal with the stuff on the outside. Sometimes though, the problem But let's, let's, let's back it up. We'll try this one more time, okay? Windshield wiper. Er, 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 you, like, it's, it's easy when it's on the outside. Sometimes the problem is on the inside. It's like Jesus knows what he's talking about. It's like he's a pretty smart guy. If the eye is bad, your body's going to be full of darkness. Malignancy means trouble. And again, we, we highlighted this last time. Let's try it again. Small organ, big impact. If you have ever, if you had small kids or uh, babysat and you, you tried to navigate their room or their playroom in the dark and your foot found a Lego, you know that you know words that you don't normally say in polite company. That's number one. But secondly, you know that you wish there was light. If, if you are negotiating a, a, a house or a building in the dark and I'm, I'm walking towards the stairs right here and there's no, there's no nothing. I mean, it's not just my eye that falls down the stairs in the dark. My whole body is affected by the darkness. When I'm driving and my windshield's all messed up, it's one thing if, if the sun is just shining there. It's a whole another thing because, you know, it gets nighttime and then you feel like, oh, no, everything's fine until the headlights come. And now I am negatively affected by other people. Or I've become, or and, I probably should say and, in that moment I'm a danger to myself and others. Small organ, big impact. Spiritually, um, the way to describe this, I think uh, Jesus points it out here. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then he says this. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Spiritually, we find ourselves, I put this in quotes, in a kind of dark darkness. Some of you have been in some pretty dark places before, physically dark places. You've been in places where you're like, oh man, there's not much light. And your eyes take a long time to adjust. Uh, for my, uh, my oldest daughter's 12-year-old birthday, she wanted to go uh, 
uh, to Natural Bridge Caverns over there. So that's what we did. She and I had a dad-daughter trip. We went and uh, got to go down into the caves and all that kind of stuff. And at the bottom, if you've ever been there, who's been to Natural Bridge? Anybody with me there? You know what happens. You get down to the bottom there, um, and you, you, they say, hey, we just want you to go ahead and have a seat. It's pretty disorienting what's about to happen. We're about to turn the lights off so that you get an experience of what it was like for people who rolled in um, to the cave. And all of a sudden, they hit the lights, and it is dark darkness. I mean, most of the time you're sitting there and like your eyes can adjust and, and you got nothing. There's no light for you to see. And it is disorienting. You are not sure who's left, what's right, up, down. What, you have no idea. There is nothing to orient you. Jesus says spiritually, this is what happens. We end up in dark darkness. The, the problem is with our seeing. We, we, we value things that are not valuable. Or we assign value to things that um, don't have as much value as we assign them. And when that does, that leads to dark darkness. Now listen, this is the problem of addiction. This is the problem of uh, uh, codependent relationships. I mean, there there are a number of ways to express this in our our kind of uh, therapeutic model in the West. But it's dark darkness. That's what you need to know. That's where it is. So Jesus, committed to the deep work then lays out this very clear challenge, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, be devoted to the one, despise the other. You can't serve God and money. There's two masters he sets out there. And and I want to highlight the two masters and talk about fear first and then talk about the problem. There's two um, fears that are associated, I think, with this, this particular verse. And it's why Jesus calls us out. It's why he demonstrates here dead in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount that he's still committed to the thing that he started out with. He's still committed to the transformation of our hearts and the deep work of changing us from the inside out. There's two two, uh, fears associated. One is uh, the question goes something like this. What if there's a better option? Like what what if I get into this deal and I have buyer's remorse? What if I should have upgraded? What if I should have bought the other color? What if I should have, you know? Spiritually speaking, what if there is a better option? option. And the second one is a um, opportunity cost question. Uh, What if there's a better outcome? Like what if I get into this following Jesus thing and then I figure out, oh man, everybody else seems to be doing better than me. What if there's a better outcome? Well, these are the fears associated. And here's my question. And this is where I think Jesus is so, um, it's why it's so important to pick this book up and read it. My, my question goes something like this. Do you really trust him? And have you do, you, do you think that there is a better option out there anywhere? Do you think there's someone who can give you a better outcome? Do you think that there's somebody smarter and wiser? Do you think that there's somebody who is easier to follow? Do you think that there is somebody uh, who will produce a kind of healthier outcome? Because my argument, and I think the argument of the New Testament goes something like this. The only cost that is higher than following Jesus is the cost of not following him. Who do you know who has been more faithful to you than Jesus has? Who do you know who has been as good as Jesus has to you? Who do you know who has been as kind? Who do you know that has been, uh, just uh, later in the book of Matthew, 
I am gentle and lowly in heart. That's what he says. My yoke, it is a yoke, but it is easy. And you need to take it and learn from me because I am gentle. Who do you know who has been gentler? Is there somebody out there in the world who has been gentler than Jesus? Is there somebody out there in the world who has demonstrated his power, uh, demonstrated his power uh, more than Jesus has? And listen, is there somebody, is there another God out there in the world that you have considered, you've wondered, who has entered into your junk? All of your brokenness and all the just terrible things that are in you, all of that dark darkness, who has entered into your stuff and not only said, hey, I'm going to meet you there, but I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to give my life to pay for it. And then I'm going to rise again so that you can learn to overcome it and be free from it. Folks, Jesus is God. And he's smart. And he is loving towards you. And the best thing that you and I could do is trust him in these moments. Now, I, I, I will say, this is pastorally here. I had this conversation this week with somebody. Um, This has been harder. It has been harder in pandemic life. And and I'm glad to see your faces back. And uh, I I hope those of you watching online at some point, I feel comfortable jumping back in, in person, because um, I I think it is, it is uh, taken a toll on some folks. Proverbs 18 verse one says this, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment. There have been moments where people, because of their isolation, have spun up things in their head. Stories get told in their head. Movies get to playing in their head. Motivations get assigned to others. And and they've just broken out against all sound judgment. That's how the Proverbs talks about it. And so it's good to be around people, to be reminded, no, no, no. Jesus is the best option. He has the best outcomes. And folks, he is committed, absolutely committed to the deep work of renovating your heart. That, that, that's the fear. And the question that follows is, do do you trust him? So let's identify the problem. Just work through this. He says, uh, you you can't serve two masters. Because there's only two options. You you either hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Let's just pause here. Money, um, you may have a different translation or a little note, uh, like mine has a little note with a, a footnote there at the bottom. It, it's the Greek word mammon, and um, it's, it's a kind of a strange little word, but um, big, broad history. Uh, it is basically what the world has to offer, the resources the world has to offer. And sometimes that gets uh, personified or even deified, so mammon could be kind of a god or whatever. But, but you get the idea. This is, this is the stuff that the world um, has to offer. The, the, the problem is, is that there is a divided loyalty. There, there is a divided, a, a simple, this is how he describes it. You'll either hate the one and love the other, be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't have it both ways, people. That's what he says. There's a divided loyalty. And it gets expressed as either duplicity. I'm, I'm going to say one thing in this moment. And over here, I'm going to say something else. Duplicity. There's a, there's a New Testament word for that. What's it? What is it? Somebody who says one thing and then says something else? A hypocrite. That's exactly right. It, it either expresses itself in that kind of duplicity or delay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I'll serve you in this moment. Oh, no, no, no. no. Now it's time to... A, a, divided, a divided loyalty. Jesus is clear. You can't serve 
God and mammon. You, you cannot serve. Let's just run through a list here. Because maybe you're having a hard time connecting with mammon. Money, whatever. You, you can't serve um, God and politics. Doesn't matter what your conspiracy theories are or how dumb you think the other party is. Or blah, 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 blah. You can't serve God in politics. You cannot serve um, God in retirement. You, you cannot serve um, God and your own preferences. You cannot serve God and country in that sense. You cannot serve God and the cultural pressures. You cannot serve God and religion. You cannot serve God and pleasure. You cannot serve God and victimhood. You cannot serve God and your preferred future. You cannot serve God and the approval of someone else. You cannot serve um, God and your own platform, whatever it may be. You cannot serve God and the future that you desire for your kids. You cannot serve God and comfort. You cannot serve God and distraction. You cannot serve God and career advancement. You cannot serve God and appetites. You cannot serve God and hobbies. And we could keep going. It's a divided loyalty. And our, our problem is that conjunction right there in the middle. Let, let, me, let me give it this way. We try to serve God or mammon. And that's, that's the delay thing. That's a, t- today, I'm over here and I'm going to do this. Oh, but this is not working out. So, oh God, I need your help. <laughs> Help me. Or. God or mammon. God, some of us have gotten over that. The, the du, that's the delay. The duplicity is God and mammon. And so we, we, we're serving this, but we're holding on going, hey, hey, it's going to be okay. Just hold on. Hey, and yeah, yeah. You don't know where we're and you're trying to do. You're trying to do both. We, we, we don't need a conjunction. We need a, we need an adverb. Like, here's what I mean. We, we need to be thinking about that. This is God, then mammon, something like this. God, then mammon. And so let me, let me just try to picture um, th- this for you. And here, here's, here's the puzzle of your life. Um, you've got social media, um, hobbies, uh, kind of the stuff that rolls around on the inside. Um, you've got uh, church, spiritual life. You've got fun. You've got family, exercise, um, work, um, friends. You, you're, this is your life, okay? This is you put together, so to speak. And, and God... Or go something like this. Well, that that kind of spiritual piece, that kind of center piece represented by church there, um, you know what? Uh, Right now, it's not a good fit. Take it out, set it to the side. Replace it with something else. Retirees do that. I've given my time. The church is... um, Younger people can do that. Every age can do that, but I'm just, I'm just seeing it at different times. So you're talking, but then, oh, no, something goes wrong. So you're like, oh, oh, whoa, 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 let's pull that back up, stick it back in. We got, we got to plug it back in. Yeah, yeah, this is important because the doctor called or the email came or whatever, or. The, the other way to approach this is God and, I mean, so um, you, you got something going on in your life and, and one of those particular things, you kind of stick the air hose on, whoosh, whoosh, and you blow that thing up, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But inevitably, it can't withstand that pressure. So what does it do? And then what do you do? Oh, no, 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 God, I need you. Let's put some air in the church, in the spiritual life. 
God and. Man, but and I'm not a great artist. Please hear me say this. Uh, just this is kind of what it needs to look like, though. Like you need you need Jesus over all of it. Is what I'm saying. He needs to touch every aspect. The God then approach goes something like this: Jesus, you are the Lord. You are in charge. Please take over. Please shape every piece of me. Please shape every aspect of me. All the things that I interact with on social media, all the things that I choose to do for fun, the way that my family is and is shaped, the the, the way that I spend my extra time and hobbies. God, please help me take care of my body during these days. I mean, the the friends that I have and the way that I interact at work. I mean, just help me. Jesus, please take over and shape every part of this. Shape every single part. This is what he's calling us to. And I'll I'll repeat this in just a moment, but the invitation, listen, the, the invitation is to surrender. This is what it means to surrender to him. And and it is his terms, like unconditional surrender. Those are the only terms that he sets out there. You're coming to a king. But but the invitation to surrender is an invitation to life. It's an invitation to joy. It's an invitation to experience more than just mere existence. It's an invitation to really live. I want to finish this with just a shot across the bow because um, sometimes the voice of the tempter is very loud. And we hear a sermon like, um, and we hear a verse like, no one can serve two masters. And we're like, you know what? That's pretty good for everybody else. I think I got this. I think I got this. And so Paul was a uh, missionary, uh, famous player in the New Testament story. 13 letters of the New Testament had all of these things that were happening. And we think about Paul, sometimes we think about Paul, we think about his missionary journeys and you know, we kind of think of Paul with a little sack and a Bible in the back and a stick, and he's just walking around the known world at the time, just preaching the gospel and planting churches and being awesome. But, but that's not how he rolled. Like, Paul rolled with people. Church's family. Circles matter. Like, he rolled with people, and so they'd do ministry together, and they'd be together, and they'd study the Bible together, they'd do all this kind of, They would have these things together. They'd suffer together. They'd be in it together. And so Paul had a group of friends that he went with. And so I just want to highlight one particular friend as as the if you will warning shot across our bow this is uh, from philemon 24 he says um he says hey so and so and so and so greet you this is how he closes most of his letters you know say hey to the people over there and don't forget bob he's a good guy and oh yeah one time we ate at their house that was awesome um here you go so these greeters so, so to mark and aristarchus demas luke my fellow workers here's a group of people you're like man these are the people who are with me uh, just shortly later, he writes the book of Colossians 4.14. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. And in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, at the end of his life, last thing from the stroke of his pen. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. He went from, they're my fellow workers, to, hey, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. Oh, yeah, and Demas does too. To, he's in love with this present world. And church family, to all of you gathered here, to those of you online, you cannot serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other, be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and the things of the world. 
Because when it gets hard, you will desert those who need you the most and run away, just like Demas. And so one more time, the invitation is to surrender. It's to surrender. Maybe you think back on that little goofy-looking puzzle, and you think, there's that one piece. I've tried to keep my flag planted right there. I've tried to keep ownership of that particular piece. And you need to surrender that piece. Maybe it didn't show up on the puzzle. I fully admit that doesn't reflect everybody. But maybe you know exactly where the Holy Spirit is kind of poking you right now. Right here in the chest to say, hey, we need to have a conversation about that. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. And I would just say to you, the absolute best thing that you could do is surrender your life to Jesus. You do so by saying to him, Jesus, I surrender to you. Would you please forgive me of my sin and come into my life and take over? And you know what? He will. He will. No matter what it looks like for you, surrender is an invitation to really live. It's an invitation to joy. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Give you a moment to kind of process whatever you need to process and lead us in a prayer. And then the guys are going to come back up and lead us in a very simple song, a song of commitment that, that says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. When you call me, I'll come running. Yes. Yes, Lord. So let, let's pray together. I'll give you a moment here to reflect. If you, if you need a second, if you need a second to deal with the things that God has spoken to you this morning, You take that moment. Lord Jesus, for everyone here, for everyone here, And everybody who's watching online, the the greatest opportunity lies before every one of us here to trust you, to say yes to you, to surrender to you. And so over all of us, thank you, Jesus, that in your kindness, you can tap us right on the chest and say, let's have a conversation about that. And it's mercy to us. It's not you being mean. So I I pray, I pray that you would. You'd help us to see it, whatever it is. You'd bring it to our minds right right this very second. You'd bring it to our minds. Help us to see it. And Father, if there's anybody in here who doesn't know you, Today would be the day that they surrender their lives to you. We want to continue to follow. So help us to put our yes on the table. We ask this in Christ's name. Everybody said amen and amen. If you need to sit and receive this, you feel free to do so. Maybe you need to look back over your notes or keep your Bible open. Feel free to do so. If you want to stand and sing a song of commitment, you feel free to do that as well.
We're going to have a few moments to respond. I'll be back to dismiss us in just a moment.
when you're saying yes, you're saying yes to a God who's kind and gentle and loving and faithful and good. And who's right. He's right. People who say maybe never change the world, folks. Jesus has called us to be world changers. So let's put our yes on the table and go live like what we've said and what we've sung is true. Let's go live like Jesus reigns over everything. God bless you. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Thanks for joining us online. If you have any prayers, any uh, requests or anything, or if you want to talk about what it means to know Jesus, I'll be right outside these double doors. I'd love to, love to meet you. Thanks so much for being here. You're dismissed.